Why don't we just start reading this next section here. I'm probably going to focus in on just one verse today. Let me just read here verses 17 through 19. It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. That's really the part that I want to focus in on. He goes on to talk about how the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who, who are being saved, it's the power of God. And, and um, I don't think I'm going to talk much about that today. I think I just want to focus in on this phrase. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. To me, that statement begs a couple questions. The, the first question that comes to mind is, and, and we should really stop and ask ourselves these questions, because I, I feel like they're just hugely important. If, he says, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. How would preaching the gospel with wisdom of words make the cross of Christ of no effect? Or, or some translations say nullify the cross of Christ. Um, that, that You need to kind of ask that question. How, how would that work? Or, or here's another question. What effect is the cross of Christ supposed to have? If it says that wisdom of words makes the cross of Christ of no effect, what is the effect that he was wanting to make sure that they were experiencing? I think, you know, as, as is often the case, we, we become familiar with scriptures, we read over them quickly, and I, I don't think we kind of ask some of these questions. And, and, the, and the, the, the important thing about asking some of these questions isn't just trying to figure out the answer. It's, it, it's realizing your spiritual ignorance. That's what's, I think that's what's important because realizing you don't know can have the result of turning your heart and having, letting him show you. But being familiar with the words, that's always dangerous because you can be familiar with all the words and not know any of the reality. So, I think to answer these questions, how the wisdom of words nullifies the cross, or or what effect does the cross of Christ have, or was he was Paul expecting? I think we need to take a few step back, a few steps back, and talk a little bit about about the cross, what what the cross is and what it does, and and this could be. This could be another thing where we stop for like six weeks and just talk about... There's a whole bunch, um, most, I think, of the teachings on the website have to do with the cross in in one way or another. And and we could really just focus in on the cross. I actually thought about doing that, taking like a month or two and just looking at the cross here. And um, I'm going to try to just summarize some things this morning that are, I I think, very uh, essential to understand the cross what is the cross? Well, Christians, I think, are familiar with the cross as an event. In general, we think of the cross as something that happened, and it did happen as an event 2,000 years ago. And then, if, if, and then we, if you kind of probe a little bit beyond that with most people and ask, you know, what was the cross for? They'll talk about, well, it was a sacrifice for sins. And there's truth in that as well, although uh, what we understand of that sacrifice for sin or what a sacrifice for sin is 
or what else was involved in that sacrifice, we usually don't know. But uh, there is certainly truth in, in, in the reality that it was a sacrifice for sin. But in order to, to really begin to know the cross and experience the cross, our understanding of the cross has got to go a lot deeper than that. It's got to become far, far more real than that. And the eye of the heart, the eyes of the heart that begin to open by the Spirit of God start to see the cross of Christ to be a judgment, a great judgment on everything that was anything less than, other than God himself. Anything that fell short of the glory of God was judged by the cross. The cross is, in a sense, it's God's way of of establishing an incredible division, a, a gulf, a gulf or a division between everything that is of him and in him and by him and through him and everything that is in one way or another not and therefore contrary to him. And so the cross is is kind of like this, it's like an iron wall, you know, that's that stands between it, it, it it's it's more than that but it it stands as this iron wall between two things between it's it, you know i've been thinking i, I was reading the, the that parable of, of of lazarus and the rich man not not lazarus the one that jesus raised from the dead but lazarus um the poor the poor one who sat as a beggar um, and the dogs licked his sores, and the rich man that, that they both died, and one was carried. Lazarus was carried to Abraham's bosom. Remember, that, remember this parable. Poor man went into Hades and was in torment and fire, and he asked Lazarus, asked uh, Abraham, "Can you please send? Uh, good morning. Can you set, please send?" Uh, La- or yeah, Lazarus to tip the tip of his finger into. Um, cold water and cool his tongue and, and, and he says no that's that's not going to happen and here's why he said there's a gulf there's a division between where you are and where we are there's a divide and and no one from there can cross over here and no one from here can cross over there well what is that divide well, I'd like to suggest to you that that divide is the cross, and, and and what I mean by that isn't that there's like a big wooden cross out there somewhere in spiritual space. What I mean by that is that in the cross, God, well, we we know that He put all of Adam to death in the body of Christ, but He 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 did that, and He established a a great division. He established a a line and between the first and the second, between Adam and Christ, between dead and alive, between uh, flesh and spirit, between first and second. The cross drew a line, and in, in, it's, it's like in, the, in the, uh, the death of Jesus Christ, God manifested His righteousness against all that by, by crucifying His own Son. And, and then shut that door forever, sealed it 
at least sealed it forever to one to all but one thing. And that one thing that can come out of that death was the one who was perfect. The one who was of a different nature. The one who put on sin, became a curse. That one can come out of death. That one, having born death, having drunk the cup of the indignation, the wrath of God against all that had fallen short, that one death could not keep. Death had to, he had to taste death, he had to experience death, he had to bring all that was fallen from God into death, and yet death didn't hold him, death couldn't keep him. After he drank the cup, the cup passed from him. And he, he came out, and, and, and he then became the resurrection and the life to anyone on that side, the side of the dead, the side of the flesh, the side of the first, the side of, you know, as, as, as he says, he who hears my voice and, and obeys will pass from death to life. The, the wrath of God abides on that one side. The wrath of God has, has see, and that's, that's what, when you see the cross, you see the wrath of God still burning, forever burning against that side. And yet there's a way out of that side. It's not a way for the flesh to be saved. Now, see, that's a lie. It's not, it, it's a way, it's a way for flesh to be judged so that the soul can come out of the flesh, come out of that man, the soul actually leaving behind all that is on that side of the Red Sea, on that side of the Jordan, on that side of the wall, on that side of the cross, can come out in and by the one life that left death. Okay, but everything else stays on the other side, and, and so God says, God, God says to His Son. Well, he, he, you know what He says? He says the same thing that that was said to Moses: "Rise up." This is what Pharaoh said to Moses in the in the great judgment of the firstborn. Now, rise up. And get out of this land, you and all that you and all of your people, get up out of here. You don't belong here. And all the children of of Egypt said too, get out of here, or we're, we're all dead. And and they all rise up as one man. Israel, my son, even my firstborn, Christ the head, and a body attached to him, sharing his life. But they don't bring leaven. They don't bring leaven out of Egypt. They bring unleavened bread. They don't bring the old into the new. They leave it there. And there's this great division established, and 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 the fleshly, uh, the flesh, the fleshly persecutors uh, of um, of Egypt try to follow them out, and they can't. They can't go because they were baptized into death. Israel was baptized into death and could come out in the newness of life. But those who didn't paint the blood on their door, those who didn't die in the Lamb, they couldn't leave. And so the the, the Red Sea closed up upon them, and. 
And so, but see, the cross, that, the cross isn't just the judgment, it, it is, but it's also the boundary. It's the Red Sea that now stands between the two camps. It's the, it's the division of God. It's, and before the Red Sea, the cloud, the cloud came and it divided the two. And so that the one was in light and the other was in darkness. And they couldn't come near each other. And then, and it, and it separated those two bodies, those two things. And, and so, the cross offers the soul of man. It doesn't offer. It doesn't offer to forgive flesh. It offers to leave flesh behind. It doesn't offer to. And when I say flesh, I don't mean your body. I'm not talking about your body. When I say flesh, I mean the life or the nature in the body that is governed by the kingdom of darkness. I mean Adam. I mean the the man of flesh. The 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 world of flesh that is uh, a living expression of the kingdom of darkness. So the cross is like this giant iron wall, this permanent boundary that keeps death on one side. It's the sea. It's this, like, there's so many pictures of it in Scripture. It's the sea versus the dry land, which is, again, what you see in that same picture, that they pass through on dry land, and the, but God set the boundary for the sea. He did it in the very beginning. And in the sea live the creatures of the sea that don't have the breath of life. And then on the land are the ones that have the breath of life. And then he uses the death of the sea to swallow up the whole world in the flood. And he does all all the pictures of death in the sea, Jonah in the sea, three days and three nights in the sea, in the belly of the whale, coming out onto dry land, Israel walking on dry land, God drying up the Jordan, they're going through on dry land. The, the dry land is the place where God provides life. And the sea is death. And he makes the division. He makes the boundaries. And he says to Job, where were you when I set the boundary? And said to the sea, this far and no further. And, and, and so that's, that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's the cross. that divides the two. In fact, he divided, what does he say right in the beginning? He divided heaven from earth. He divided sea from dry land. He, put, he was dividing things, and he was dividing all things by the cross, all things by pictures of the cross in the first, in the first and all things by the reality of, of, of the cross in the second. It's a division. And that's why Jesus came, when he came to the cross, he said, now is the judgment of the world. Now there's going to be, God has let man go his way. God has, in a sense, not winked at it, although that's kind of the language of the New Testament, but... Let all men, but now he demands all men to repent. He, he for, for a time and for a season, he, men went their own way. And now is the judgment of the world. And if anyone wants to live, if anybody wants to know God, they are going to have to pass from the one side to the other. Because here in this death, I'm speaking, you know, on behalf of, of Jesus here. Uh, 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 paraphrasing and 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 mixing in some of my own stuff, so don't take me too seriously. But it's like Jesus said. Well, he said, "Now is the judgment of the world." But it's like he's saying, "Now all of everything that has gone its own way is going to be summed up and put to death in my in my death, and all of the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon it, and it's going to be judged. It's going to be separated. It's going to be cut off. It's good. God." God is going to completely say, I'm done with it. And yet he leaves in this iron wall, he leaves a door. But the door says, 
that you can't pass through here unless you lose your life. That's what the door says. That's what the door, that's what the door to the Garden of Eden said when God cast Adam out of it. You can't come back here unless you pass this cherubim with a flaming sword. It cuts off what you are. It doesn't let you in. It lets Christ in. Christ made unto you life and righteousness and salvation and redemption and light. And everything that passes through on this side is Christ in you. Not I, but Christ. So if you want to go through this door, then you need to paint blood on it. And, and, and it's, that blood represents the end of you. And, and so you can't, anyone that wants to find their life has to lose it. And if you don't hate what's on that one side, you'll never come to the other side. And, and, and if you don't see, and, that, and then that, that's what God says to the Adamic man. He says to you, there's no hope unless you lose your life and are born again. You must, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born again. Or what? Or the wrath of God abides on you. Or what? Or you remain in death. And the dead can continue to bury their dead until they don't have bodies anymore to do that. But they will never leave death. They will never... In a sense, they'll never leave hell. They'll never leave separation from God until the soul passes through that sea by baptism into the death of Christ and being raised to walk in the newness of His life. So I say all that just to kind of set the stage for what I want to say here. And that is that the same, that's the objective, that's the, that's the, incredible objective work of the cross it's the perfect work of the cross a perfect division a perfect judgment but that same work that same division that same judgment comes to be a daily experience in the soul of those who are inwardly following excuse me following the lord those that let the lord call them and open their eyes they inwardly as an experience, not just as an objective finished thing that's perfect in Christ, they objective or subjectively begin to experience the passing out of the one and the and and the living in the other. The Lord says to your soul, get out of your country kindred and father's house leave everything behind what how much everything and what's everything everything if you let the lord begin to deal with your heart if your heart is willing to see willing to truly see what the lord sees then you will begin to experience what the lord has done in other words you will begin to experience the cross and the cross is going to be what you see in the light. Why? Because the cross is what the Lord sees in the light. The Lord sees and relates to all things according to that division. 
He, there, is, there are some things that are dead to him, and there are some things that are alive to him. There are some things that are cut off from him forever, and there are some things that are joined to him forever. And there is a great line, an impassable gulf. Remember, that again, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Nobody on our side can actually stick their finger in water and go to your side. And nobody on your side can come to our side. There is a great chasm fixed forever between us. Well, then uh, the rich man says, at least send you know, Lazarus back from the dead to, uh, to talk to my five brothers. And, he, and then Jesus says, well, that's not going to help either because they're not listening to the law and the prophets. But... My, my point is to highlight that gulf, that chasm, that division. The heart that w- will see the truth will see is, is a heart. It's a very it's a, it's a very unique kind of heart. It's a heart like Joshua and Caleb that are willing to completely leave Egypt behind, that are done with it, and that their only their heart is set on another land, a land that has to be revealed, a land that the Lord has to be the increase of. Their heart is set on a different inheritance. It's 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 letting completely letting go of the thing that's behind. And and it's a heart that's set on pilgrimage, to to, to quote another verse. And and so th- that that brings into us the experience of the cross. And we're getting a little closer to Paul's verse here. Which for those who were late, we're talking. Paul, Paul says, um, uh, "Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect." And my question was, what's the effect of the cross? That wisdom of words threatens. Well, to, when you experience the cross of Christ, it means that all that God has cut off from himself begins to be cut off, progressively is cut off from your soul. It's circumcised from your soul. It's a soul circumcised from the body of flesh. That's uh, um, Colossians chapter 2.11 circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It's cutting off a dead body from your living soul. And, and, and that life that you lose, it's, it's, it, it, what does it encompass? What, what's, what, what makes it up? It's your country, kindred, and father's house. It's your world, it's your flesh, it's the devil. It's everything that made up your life. It's everything of the first. It's everything of below. You can't keep it. You can't keep it and follow Jesus. Didn't he say this so many times in so many ways? You can't keep it. Rick Chung, ruler, if you try to keep it, it's like trying to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle. It doesn't fit. It, the door is narrow. It only fits one man. You're not the man, but you can be in the man. You can be found in him. You can't keep any of it. You have to part with it because it's not in him and therefore it can't be in you. That's what the cross does. It works in you by his light. And in the light, you, you experience judgment. And it makes dead in you everything that God rejected. And it judges in you and separates from you all that, everything that God judged and separated from himself. And it, it literally kills. It kills one whole world to your heart. And if you don't want to leave that world, you'll never follow Christ. You just can't. That's why, listen, guys, 
This is exactly what Jesus said. If you just read the, go back and read the Gospels without, and, and, and hang up for a little while your familiarity with all these verses, you'll see that this is what Jesus said over and over again. You can't follow, you, unless you lose everything, you can't follow me. Unless you hate your mother, father, sister, brother, you can't follow me. Unless you lose your life, you can't follow me. He just keeps saying it over and over and over. Why? Because he's a strict taskmaster? That had, no, because there's only one door and God has judged all that fell short of the glory of God. And, and, the, and the heart that is awakening to the reality of the cross kills you. It kills the you that you know. It, it also saves you. But it saves you from the you that you're wanting God to save. Do, do, you hear what I, do you hear what I just said? It saves you from the you that we're usually trying to get God to love and to save. That's not the you that it saves. That's the you that it kills. And it gives you a new life. And, and, and the new is so different from the old that you could never mistake the two in the light. You'd never see in the light and say, you know what, I wonder if that's me or that's Christ. That's a question that happens in the dark. And, and, and there can be an, a progressive increase of light so that that becomes more clear. I don't want to say that you see all of it instantaneously, but to the measure that light is shining, to that measure, you see the difference. It's not even close to being the same thing. It's not even... It, there's, the, the, the masks all fall off. You know, the... the the, the dim light is, is gone, and you see things for, for what they are. You see in his light, you see light. And there's a very dark man that you recognize, and you know where he came from, and you know what he's filled with, and he doesn't come over. That's the cross. It's, it, this is not, friends, this is not supposed to be some like far-off mystical experience for only certain Christians. This is the only cross that there is. It's the only cross that, that it's it's the cross of Christ that that Christians don't often know. But but it's that, that doesn't mean it's not the only cross. It's not the one you hang on your church wall. It's not the one you you wear as as a, a, you know a, a decoration on, on your body. It's not it's not the one you talk about. It's not the one. It's not the one that makes you feel religious. It's not that one. It's the one that kills you. And, and, and buries you in the land of the dead and takes you out of your own sight and, and leaves in your sight. It's like Abraham, when Sarah died, give me a plot of land that I might bury my dead out of my sight. She's dead. I can't take her with me. I need to get her out of my sight. Do you know this cross? That's my question for you. Do you know? Do you, or do you talk about the cross? Do you just talk about the cross? Have you seen it from afar? Or do you carry it every day? Because Jesus said, you need to carry it every day. You need to lose your life to it every day. You need to put off every day the life you need to let him put off. You need to agree with his putting off. You need to turn and see the light that shows you it put off. Put off every day the life that the cross rejects. And the man that once governed... See, the man... That's what... I, I know I, I, I always... I, always in my, I, I, go, I bounce back and forth from types and shadows. Because they're the best pictures. I mean, 
like 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 Joshua. What did Joshua do? He came into a land. He was the new. Well, who was Joshua? Joshua was Christ. That's what his name. His name is Jesus. I mean, Savior. That's what in Hebrew. That's what he is. And he goes into the land, and there he finds these other kings governing there. What does he do to those kings? What does he do to every one of those kings? I'll tell you what he did. In case you don't remember. He hung them on a tree until evening and then threw them into a cave and put stones in front of it. He did to the kings of that land the same thing that happened to the body of Christ in the cross. It was hung on a tree, brought down in the evening, and thrown into a cave and left there. Now, Jesus came up out of that, but Adam didn't. Do you see the difference? The, 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 the new man rose up. The old man stayed dead. J- Jesus did what Joshua did. Well, no, better to say, Joshua did what Jesus was going to do. Joshua was the shadow. He hung those things. Cursed is everything that hangs on a tree. Guess what? If there are things reigning in you, when the cross comes to that thing in you, it hangs it on a tree and then shoves it in a cave. And then it rolls a bunch of rocks over it. And, and there's no getting out. There's no getting out. That man doesn't live. There is a man that the cross does not let live. That's the one that Paul is afraid with fear and trembling. He is afraid that that man might minister to the Lord's body and make the cross of Christ of no effect. There is a man that the cross puts to death. There is a world that the cross takes out of your heart. That cru- a world that the cross crucifies to you. There is a nature that cannot live in the presence of the cross. It doesn't stand in the judgment. It flees away. It, 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 it is terrified. It hides in the rocks and says, fall on me. It can't bear it. It can't stand in the presence of the cross. There is a wisdom. There is an understanding that is the enemy of the cross. And yet it is that wisdom and that understanding that usually preaches Christianity. There is a, there is an underst- there is a wisdom that is from below. And James says it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. It is contrary to the cross. It is an enemy of the cross. And man is so blind, we are so blind that we assume that the cross forgives our sins without killing, refusing, rejecting, confronting, cutting, and eliminating the man who is governed by sin. That's, that's a lie. The, the cross kills, it, it absolutely deals with your sins. And I'll tell you how it does it. It hangs the man of sin on a tree and then throws him into a cave. We talk about the cross in the body of Christ like it is some kind of external transaction that happened two years ago. And we're so glad about it because now I can be forgiven and live my life. No, you, no, you don't, that, the cross put an end to that life. Again, friends, just look at, just read the New Testament. What, what did Paul say about that life? Where does that life remain? What what was he boasting in? What did Paul boast in? May it be. God forbid that I would never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did it do? It crucified the whole world to me. And me to, to it. 
What is the cross to us? If the cross that we know is this historical thing that accomplished an external transaction, then then we are still living in the man that the cross rejects. We're living in the man that nullifies the cross of Christ. We're living according to the wisdom that makes the cross of no effect. The cross is everything, friends. The cross is the way. It is the way that God leads the soul. It is... It's a perfect work in and of itself. But that perfect work working in you is a journey. What's it a journey out of? And what's it a journey into? Well, it's a journey out of one man and and into another. It's a journey out of one world and into another. It's a journey of becoming dead to to one thing and alive to God in another. And, And you don't move anywhere. You don't. You don't actually move anywhere. And this is what the Lord has put in my heart to say recently in a number of situations. And I'm going to say it again. You don't go anywhere unless you're carrying the cross. And if you can hear that this morning, then you can hear something really, really meaningful. The only way to follow Him is is to... The only way to take a single step... And the cross is the way. The cross isn't just the, the, the starting line and then you just start running because thank goodness there was the cross that made me be able to just live my life for God. No, no. The cross is every single step. You, 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 think, you think you're growing and, and, and because you, you think, man, I, I just, the Lord just can't tell you how the Lord has had to deal with me about this. You think you're growing. You think something's happening. But you don't grow one inch unless the cross is on your back. Because your growth, what you think growth is, nullifies the cross. Your growth is, is the growth of the thing. If it's not the cross, if it's not the true journey of the cross out of out of Egypt and into the promised land, if it's not the true way that God has provided, if it's not the highway of holiness that that the redeemed of the Lord walk on, if it's not that cross, then it is a growth that nullifies the cross. And you think, and you know what? You can do that your whole life. You think you're converting souls and 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 you and yet what does Jesus say? You travel over land and sea thinking you make a convert and when you do you make them twice the son of hell as you are yourself. You know, if that scripture doesn't smack you in the face, what is he talking about? Well, you make them a convert to your wisdom. You make them a convert to your knowledge which nullifies the cross. If it's not a convert to the cross, working in them, putting away man's wisdom, man's life, man's righteousness, man's everything, then you've made them a convert to that which is judged, to that which is rejected of God. You know, you think you're growing up. You think you're growing in Christ, and you're growing, but you're growing in the understanding that comes out of a rejected seed. You're growing up... The devil can memorize Bible verses. The devil believes in Christ and trembles. You think you're growing up in Christ, and, and so much of the time you're growing up... A, you're growing up in this thing that can live 
without the cross. This thing that can live apart from Christ. A thing that can live just as well whether or not you know Christ or not. It's man. It's man's wisdom. It's man's understanding. It, it sounds good. It quotes verses. And yet it stands in its own life on the wrong side of the iron wall. You think your church is growing. But if the cross, man, if you, if you let the cross in one Sunday, if you let the true cross into that building one Sunday, it's going to cut your church down to size. It's going to cut it down to the holy root, to the holy stump. It's going to leave only, just like it says in Isaiah, it's going to leave only that holy stump, only the measure of Christ. The cross of Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking here out of my heart to you guys, and I don't mean to sound harsh. I, I just The cross is extremely harsh. It rejects everything except for the measure of the Lord Jesus Christ living and reigning in His own land. It doesn't let the king of the Amalekites live like Saul did. It doesn't do that. It doesn't, it, it doesn't let him live. It does what, what did Samuel do to the king of, uh, of the Amalekites? Do you remember what Samuel did? Chopped him up in a billion little pieces. Now that's a horrible story. But that's what the cross does to any flesh in the land that we want to let live. And so, so going back to my question. What was my question? My question was. How would preaching the gospel with wisdom of words make the cross of Christ of no effect? Well, that's a really good question. Maybe maybe you can see more clearly the answer to that now. It's because the cross permits nothing of man and rejects everything of man and, and refuses and cuts down and circumcises everything of the flesh. Everything of the flesh is rejected by the cross. And the only way to hold your religion in, in the fleshly mind, in the mind of man's wisdom, according to wise words and arguments, is to hold it as an enemy of the cross. Is to hold it contrary to the cross. In the man that the cross rejects, where flesh is set up in any of its attractive forms in the body of Christ, as a means to anything spiritual, that something that is set up is set up contrary to the mind and the purpose of God. Contrary to the cross of Christ, it is an enemy of the cross. In other words, <laughs> I'm going to say it a little more clearly. If the preaching of the gospel stands in the wisdom of man, in the persuasion of words, then it stands as something that the cross of Christ rejects and must destroy. If, and let me, let me take it a step further. If you're believing of the gospel, if your convincement is in the natural mind, then your believing is in something that the cross must destroy. It is something that is not spiritual in its nature or substance. If man in any way is having an effect on the human soul 
supposedly towards spiritual ends. I mean, in anything, if 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 man is, if anything of man is is what is causing you to believe, to act as a Christian, to worship, to serve, to minister, to understand, if any of that comes from man, Paul trembled at the thought. Paul shook at the thought. He he literally did. He had seen. What, what does he say? Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The terror of the Lord for what? You're a Christian. There's no terror. The terror of the Lord. What's the terror of the Lord? It's, a, it's an iron wall that stands between the living and the dead. It, it's, a, it's a judgment. It's a giant sword. Remember when David... The judgment of the Lord came on Israel and David said, you know, how about three days because at the Lord's hand instead of there were the the Lord gave him those three options. And then so David goes to the threshing floor of that one guy to build the altar and and, and he looks up and and he sees he sees a giant angel with a huge sword and he hits the deck. You know, he's terrified of the sword of the Lord. We should be, too. I'm not talking about Christians living in constant condemnation and, 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 and um, not, not fear in the sense that you think God doesn't like you and all that kind of man-made stuff. The cross is a severe instrument. It's a very sharp sword. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's living and it's active and it, and, it, and it moves and it divides. It has a great effect. <laughs> it has an incredible effect. What's the effect of the cross? Well, that was my second. Because Paul says, if, if my preaching stands in the words, the wisdom of words, then the cross of Christ has no effect. What's the effect? It is the power of God. That's the effect. The effect, the cross of Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. It's the power of God unto the salvation of your soul. It's the actual instrument. It's the scalpel. It's the knife. It's the, it's the flint knife. It's the thing. It's the very thing wherein the power of God affects your soul according to His eternal purpose. What, what effect does the cross have in the soul? Everything. What God? It's the way God deals with your soul. It's the way that God manifests His righteousness in your soul, His judgment in your soul, His love in your soul. He saves you by the cross, saves you by crucifying from you, killing from you the the man that could never receive His love and His covenant. If we don't know the cross of Christ, friends, then we don't know the one who is the cross of Christ, the one who is dead to sin forevermore and alive to God forevermore. The one who appears on his throne like a slain lamb. The one the one who lives in his Father forevermore. People don't know this power. I'm, I'm wrapping up here, but I, I just, I, I don't know this power nearly well enough. But people generally don't, know the power of the cross they they don't even they don't even want to know it they refuse this power they set up religion in the man that rejects this power 
we talk about, we love, man, Christians love to talk about power. That power to, to heal their natural bodies, power over, you know, demonic attacks, power over bad finances and bad credit, power over whatever. We, we, like, we like that word. But man, if you, if you in, in, any outward power is just an, is a shadow of this inward power that that crucifies um, the world to you and you to the world. And people, we we love the the outward shadows of power because they don't actually touch our soul; they just touch our bodies. They they, they touch the man that the cross wants to put to death and they think they have something and they live as though they have something and they have nothing and the day of the Lord will show what has been built the day of the Lord will show the day of the Lord you can't you can't run from the day of the Lord you can't run from that light it pierces through everything it goes right through your soul. It goes right through walls. It goes. It shows everything. You can't. It, the day of the Lord tests everything with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. And it will. T- it, it shows. It doesn't need to do a new judgment. It shows you the, the judgment of the cross. It, it it just sheds light on the judgment that that the one that Jesus said now is the judgment of the world. That's what it does. The day of the Lord just makes you stand in His bright light and look at that iron. Division that that eternal chasm that gulf, and it shows what's what what is from the man that God has rejected, and what is from the man that God has brought into Himself. It shows it, and you, you're not going to be able to argue with it. It's a division that's perfect. It, it, it it's it's the day of the. It shows the quality of each man's. Work whether man's work is the work that is wrought in God. He that loves the light comes into the light, and and what he sees is in the light is that all good works are wrought in God, and everything else that is not wrought in God is evil. It tests the the light tests. It it proves. It clearly establishes a division that God so perfectly established in His Son. And it applies it to your heart. It applies it, the light, the day. It applies it to your wisdom. It applies it to your understanding. It applies it to your religion. It applies it to your whatever. You know, I was thinking last night about this verse, and, and it was, it was, uh, it was uh, pretty heavy on me about this verse where Paul says you, if you give your body to be burned and give all that you have to the poor and have not love it's nothing and I just thought to myself that's who that's how man defines love if, can you imagine giving your body to be burned and not having love can you imagine giving everything you have to the poor and not having love can you imagine facing that day having held on to Having, having built your Christianity, having something that you're trying to present to the Lord, that He said, you know what? What you're trying to show me and present to me as the fruit of your 75 years or 85 years or 25 years on earth, what you're trying to give to me right now is exactly what I rejected and crucified in my Son 2,000 years ago. And if you would have just turned your heart to see the day 
and been a son of the day and walked in the light of the day, then you would have seen my judgment on that a long time ago. The day of the Lord could have already have tested that and shown you its nature and source and purpose. Well, that's what the cross does. It doesn't allow Christianity to stand in anything other than the life and power of God. I'll stop at that.